Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're two people who shouldn't be watching Doctor Who because we complain too much and instead we should go write our own fanfic and <laughs> talk about how clever we are. We're also from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor <laughs> Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Movie Night at Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, A Couple of Geeks, and Super Geeks. You can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, go to the website, join our community, and comment on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or obviously, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. <laughs> iTunes reviews are the best <laughs> way for people to find our shows, decide if you mu- they might be worth listening to, which apparently they aren't. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments concerns or suggestions by emailing this show at tdc at geekshow.us um should i explain no my bitterness no 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 all right (laughs) no you guys can probably put two and two together um just no you're fine yeah go go on the itunes music (laughs) store and read you'll see what Uh i'm talking about yeah uh anyway so uh and if you have a real problem with our show Email us at tdc at geekshow.us before you leave the one-star review. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. Unless you are afraid of confrontation, which you probably are. Uh, so anyway, Matt, um, we're talking about Mind Warp, the second, uh, the second segment of uh, a Trial of a Time Lord. Um, yes. Why don't you give us some backward round and significance for this uh. one? Sure. Well, uh, Trial of a Time Lord, as we were talking about last week, uh, Colin Baker's second and final season, he's on trial with the Time Lords and apparently all of UK or something. Um, Mind Warp uh, is episodes five through eight. It was originally called Mind Warp, but, you know, if you watch this season, every episode is just called Trial of a Time Lord, episode whatever. Um, so it's uh, it's Mind Warp. Uh, I call it Mind Warp because someone's mind gets warped, and if your mind get, doesn't get warped by the end, I suppose... You know, you weren't paying that much of attention. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Mind Warp is written by Philip Martin, a writer I don't like. Um, <laughs> he previously wrote Vengeance on Veros, which is one of my least favorite stories. Um, although one of the better Colin Baker stories, which is weird. And it's directed by Ron Jones, who uh, also directed Vengeance on Veros, including a couple other stories. Um, which is amazing considering, A, this is a much better story than Vengeance on Veros. And yes. B, Sill is green and not brown this time. Which makes it a little more palatable. It does, but it's just weird because you'd think from the writer and the director that gave us the previous story, he would look exactly the same, but he doesn't, and that's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. He's well, more scaly. He's less pooey. Yeah, which is nice. Yes, like it that. is nice. Uh, <laughs> makes him a little more visually appealing, even though he's still not that visually appealing. Um, but yes, it does feature the return of Syl, who we previously talked about when we talked about Vengeance of Eros. Uh, Syl it was really popular. Uh, I guess people liked him. I don't know. When I watch these stories, the more I watch them, the more I understand Syl's likability or why he was po- or popularity, but I don't agree with it. I don't know about you. Um, no, he is much better. I, I I don't I I still can't I ugh. well I think I think he's better in this than he was in Vengeance of Eros much more straight comedy as opposed to trying to make me take him seriously um, but Martin had been commissioned uh, by the previous by the production team after Vengeance of Eros proved to be popular the production team was like oh go write this story for us and they were gonna do it it was gonna be called Mission to Magnus and it was gonna have the Ice Warriors Big Finish released a uh, an audio play of it a couple like i think early last year 
Um, but uh, Philip Martin was supposed to do that, but instead they brought him back. He was one of the people who was allowed to come back for the season 22 after the original season 22 was abandoned. Um, so this story does feature a bunch of cool things. It's uh, uh, the present storyline, so the storyline that's taking place in the present of Trial of a Time Lord. Last week was the one that took place in the past. Next week will take place in the future. This one takes place literally just before the trial starts. Um, so you find out a little bit about what happened to Perry, which will spawn a lot of discussion and also has a lot of good things to say about Colin Baker, which I will rant about later. Um, this story also sees the um, the departure of Eric Sayward, who had previously worked on um, uh, what was it? He, he'd been the script editor all through Davison and all through Colin Baker up to this point. But uh, in the middle of this story. He was asked to change a couple things. He did not. He hated Jonathan Nathan Turner with a fiery passion. If you want to read the most angry interview of someone working with a partner, like it literally puts Charlie Sheen to shame, uh, go find the interview that Eric Sayward gave about Nathan Turner back in like 1989 or so. It's grisly. Like it's one of the brutalist, like discussions I've ever heard of, you know, bad mousing, bad mousing. Is it like video, audio? Like, is it, Uh, you can find it on narrative. If you just like, if you just like Google Eric Sayward, Nathan Turner interview or Eric Sayward interview, it's the first one that's going to come up because it's very infamous in terms of what Sayward said about Nathan Turner, like just railed against him. Um, but Sayward quit, uh, and I'm going to talk about Sayward a lot in this. Uh, I hate Eric Sayward uh, for reasons I'll go into. Um, but this is when Eric Sayward dropped off the show and left Nathan Turner to kind of do script editing. So, like, Nathan Turner script edited and produced the next, like, six episodes after this. So Doctor Who behind the scenes was really falling apart, as we'll find out as we go on more. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's I I think it's my third time seeing it. I didn't like this story the first time I saw it, but now I think it's really strong. Possibly the strongest of this whole of these four stories in Trial of a Time Lord, uh, but not my favorite because um, I think I like Mysterious Planet more. Um, I just think it's more fun. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, that's that's where this is. Um, got some really significant events that are happening, which we'll talk about as we go through. That will foster a lot of discussion, I think. So. Yeah. There All you right. Go. All right. Well, uh, before we get there, I want to remind everybody that we're sponsored by InStockTrades.com. And uh, this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, American Vampire Volume 1 by Scott Snyder, Stephen King, and Raphael Albuquerque. And this book is available for only fifteen forty nine, which is 30% off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Go there. Buy some comic books. Woo! Woo, comics. All right, so heading right into the first part of Mind Warp, um, I do like right away they deal with the Doctor calling the Valyard names. They're just like, just <laughs> knock it off. Knock it off. <laughs> and the Doctor just like sits down and just like, you're right, I was being an immature jerk, which is probably uh, probably like, I mean, it's true within the within the story, but then outside of the story, of course, uh, no one liked that he was doing that in the first half or in the first <laughs> in Mysterious Planet. None of the cast or crew liked that, um, and they just didn't have enough time to change it beforehand. So I'm assuming that was a bit of a metatextual comment as well. Probably, probably. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, so the you know the the doctor is just like, hey, look. That was that last story was BS. That's that's not you're not proving anything with that. None of that was my fault. Um, and the inquisitor, or the inquisitor, kind of agrees a little bit. Um, and the Valyard's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm just getting started." Uh, so then <laughs> <clears throat> he decides to take out his second block of evidence, um, which is uh, the Doctor arriving on the planet Thoris Beta. Um, with uh with Perry. And uh first of all, can I just say that um the shot of them arriving in the pink water with like the crazy plan in the background is like next to the space station thing, which was reused at the beginning of this and I loved. Um mm-hmm. or at least partially reused. They should have just reused the whole thing. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I want Trial of a Time Lord to just be that model shot. For... Well, I mean, not for nothing, but like they spent so much money on it, they might as well use it again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, beyond that uh, shot, this is the most beautiful thing I've seen on Doctor Who. I think. Yeah, uh, it's pretty gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that this scene is basically just like the doctor's like, well, why aren't you going? And and Perry's just like, it's pink water. I don't know what it's going to do to me. And he's just like, oh, whatever. And he jumps in the water and goes. And then she's all like girly and and then jumps in the water and follows him to the shore. And two things. Number one, I think it's funny that the doctor's just not like, oh, uh, just give me a sec. And just put it on the shore like park on the shore he's just like no we're good let's just jump in the water and walk around in soggy shoes for a while um (laughs) number one and number two i think it's funny because they show this scene and then like you know the inquisitor and the doctor are both like what why why are you wasting everybody's time (laughs) with this scene the valyard's like oh uh yeah you're right and then i'm like after that like after him saying that and he's like okay yeah let's get to the point and they do I'm just like, wait, they just wasted our time. <laughs> like, with all of that, that was just a waste of time. <laughs> and I think that's funny. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so. Well, one of the things that's interesting in that moment is um, Perry chooses to tell the doctor that she's kind of ready to leave. Um, I don't know if you noticed that. I notice yeah. it more because I know what happens in this. But, like, there's a lot of Perry kind of being, like, doesn't want to be here, sort yeah. of. It's it's just an interesting sort of foreshadow moment. Um, so it's really just for our benefit more than the courts. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like the trial sequences, but there's so much at the beginning of this part that just like undercut so many moments where you're just like, wait, why did we cut back to the trial? We don't need to do that right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. It's just weird and not it's not strong. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Again, yeah. though, like I, I'll say, the only times they should cut back to the trial uh, is for cliffhangers because I'm not gonna lie, the cliffhangers in this are awful, and it's because <laughs> other than one, there's one that's fine because it cuts back to the trial. But when you're doing trial segments to base as your A story and your B story is this adventure that happened just before he got there. When both of your cliffhangers have to do with the doctor being in danger, that's not a cliffhanger because we no. know that he's not because right. we just saw him in the trial. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Well, I, I think the biggest problem is part two because I actually really – like especially going through this again, I'm really struck by the cliffhanger to part one. Um, <laughs> Except for, for the fact that – Colin Baker's just randomly holding his arms to his side because they're not strapped down. They're not strapped. He has a loose seatbelt around his waist and he's holding his arms to his to his sides, pretending that they're strapped down too, but they're not. And it's I was just right. like, What are you doing? Just pull your arm out and strangle these people. Like I don't I don't understand. <laughs> No, I had, yeah, I had to use a little right. too much of my, a little too much of my imagination in that in that cliffhanger. Was would be sure, sure. Um, I'll, well, I'll explain why I like that cliffhanger a little bit more um, when we get there. But yeah, so the Doctor and Perry kind of start walking around Thoros Beta. Um, they enter a cave. They come across this this creature called the Rack, which is a creation by Doctor Crozier. Crozier, sorry, Crozier. Um, who I like, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. The Doctor kills it, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. The Doctor yeah. kills it. Um, and they find a machine. They come across a guard who, by the way, fun fact, the leader guard in this, I don't know if you recognize him at all. The leader guard in this is actually Martha, Martha's father in uh, Series 3 of the new oh, series. Oh, I recognized him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just so figured is- I knew him from like... I just figured, like, maybe I knew him from Red Dwarf or something, because it was, like, around the same time frame. Yeah, um, yeah. Because no, I recognize him so much, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's 20 years before he was Martha's dad. He was uh, hunting Colin Baker in some caves on Thoros Beta. Um, Crazy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. So, they find a machine. They find they get captured. They run away. They go to a laboratory. 
Um, they escape. They come across this evil dog wolf person. It's a lot of running around in this first part. Um, but they also come across Syl, um, who, was, again, is from Vengeance of Eros. Um, and I remember the first time I saw Syl, I was like, oh, screw this story. But, uh, yeah, so Syl's in this. Um, Syl's awful. <laughs> Not only is it Syl, but it's like three Syls. Yeah, there's three Sills. Although I do like Kiv. I think Kiv's kind of funny. Um, I, I don't know why. I just He's, think Sill's awful because... Sill is awful because... Well, here's the problem with Sill. It's like when you have him by himself, it's it's awful and you hate him, but you're kind of supposed to, so it kind of works out, question mark. But when you show other creatures and his species and you realize they're not as gross as he is, then there's a problem. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's also funny that I uh, another thing that I noticed in this time is that no one actually likes Syl. No, um, not anyone in his own species. No one. No one likes Syl. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> well, but you not, know. Really. All, not really. Not Also, uh, I remember being grossed out by like his eating habits in the last episode in Inventions, <laughs> and and I was grossed out about him here too. Um, and I was like, God, that's so gross. Whatever he's eating is so disgusting. And then. You know, you find out in the behind-the-scenes thing that he's just eating – he's eating marshmallows and, and lime green jello like all mashed up together. And I was like, oh, wow, that's what that looks like. That's really gross. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm sure it tastes fine, but that's really gross looking. Yeah. Well, I also love the moment where Colin Baker later on actually has him – like the doctor has a bite of the food and then he's just like, ew. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is – which is really funny. Um, so, yeah. So, there's a lot of running around in this first part. We mm-hmm. find out that Syl is reporting to this guy named Kiv. And they're here for profits because that's what they are. And we also find out that Kiv, who, by the way, um, if the voice sounds fil- familiar, that's because he's, quote-unquote, the Centauran of the new series. So, like, whenever you see a Centauran, it's him. Oh. Um, yeah. 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 The little, the little guy. Yeah, the he's one just, who commander, yeah. commander Stahl or whatever. Oh, yeah. interesting. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, I think I like him more as a Centauran personally. Well, um, <laughs> you're not. Wrong. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, Perry, all, but so that's what's going on with Syl and Kiv. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Perry, Perry for one, is talking more and more about how she kind of doesn't want to be a part of the Doctor anymore, especially because you know the Doctor brought her into Syl's vicinity, um, and he promised he wouldn't do that anymore. Um, but uh, the Doctor and Perry sneak into Crozier's lab, and they meet this guy who's this samurai warrior king named King Karnos, who we'll talk about more in a little bit. Um, and the Doctor realizes that this is whatever is going on here is not really good and they're interrupted by sill and crozier sill of course is sill but crozier is this scientist who's working on he's like a neurologist sort of thing uh again we'll talk about him more in a little bit but he is one of probably my favorite things in this whole thing just because i think the guy who plays them or plays him does a really good job with it like i forget the guy's name but he's which just guy really huh which guy Crozier, the Crozier. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I forget who plays him, but whoever plays him does such a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's Patrick Reichart. Um, Patrick Reichart really nails the character, like really gets into it and really kind of gets the creepiness that um, that Crozier kind of has. And then we get this cliffhanger where Syl straps the doctor into this brain scrambler and turns it on and we get the writhing Colin Baker cliffhanger and like you said um it doesn't work from a dramatic standpoint of um we know that the doctor's going to be okay mm-hmm. but what I love about it is you see within the first episode the doctor is captured and manipulated in such a way that it catalyzes everything else that happens in this story and it is kind of like an oh crap turning point because you expect the doctor and Perry to kind of get out of it um but they really kind of don't. The Doctor in this moment is actually changed to the point where it's kind of his fault that everything else in this story happens because he was careless and got his brain all warped. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that when I was watching it again, I'm just struck with the speed with which things happen in this. Um, I mean, it kind of wanders a little bit in the middle, but especially towards the end, like you're kind of racing towards that finale. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you mention the king? Yes. Well, we're about to get to him. I love the king. I love the king too. Fun fact, another one. Uh, king Akarnos is played by Brian Blessed. 
Um, uh, and it's not a name that necessarily means a lot to a lot of people, but uh, he was in Brian Flash Blessed, Gordon. huh? He was in Flash Gordon. Was he? Oh, yep. cool. Well, I know him because um, apparently he was on the short list to be the fourth Doctor before Tom Baker was chosen. Oh. He was one of the people that, yeah. Which that would have been an interesting Doctor. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just imagining the Doctor go that over the top. Um, <laughs> um, I would like him as an additional Doctor. That would have been fun, like an alternate universe Doctor. Yeah. I think he should be Inspector Space. I was going to really say, he could be an Inspector Space Time. They're <laughs> <laughs> really wasting an opportunity by not making him into Inspector Space Time. Yeah. Um, so we come back to part two. Ikarnos breaks free and starts throwing things, which is really funny. And he's just yelling obscenities. It's amazing. I kind of love every moment. Like, I don't think I liked him the first time, but like watching him now, I just think he's hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. he just goes for it and he doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. And it's. Like, when he whistles, it's really funny. So, he goes crazy. He manages to break the Doctor and Perry free. They all escape. And, but the Doctor's really, really, like, loopy. He's kind of acting a little strange, and he doesn't seem like he's all there. And the Doctor... We cut back to the courtroom, and the Doctor, like, interrupts the proceedings and says he realizes that he doesn't remember anything that happened after his brain got scrambled by the brain scrambler. Um, and... uh everyone's like, and the Valleyard in particular is like, oh, well, isn't this tough for you? This is a little, then you, I guess you're about to be surprised by what happens, which is an interesting sort of dilemma to put the Doctor in. Meanwhile, there's an argument between Kiv, Crozier, and Syl, in which Kiv reveals that he hates Syl, like he wants Syl dead, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and he also delivers a one-day ultimatum because Kiv has been getting these massive migraines, and these migraines will, at a certain point, cause his brain or his skull it, his brain will get so big that it'll break into his skull and he'll just have a hemorrhage or something and die. So this is a really like life-threatening thing for Kiv the Kiv the leader of the mentors uh which Syl is apparently called a mentor which is a stupid name for civilization if you ask me. Um mm-hmm. but uh so so Crozier has one day to figure out how to give Kiv a new body um which is which is interesting and coming up for later. Uh meanwhile Yakarnos the Doctor and Perry attempt to steal weapons, and there's this great moment where Ikarnos and Perry run into, like, this place where the slaves are being processed, the slaves from Thoros Alpha are being processed, and the Doctor just goes, hello, and just ruins the surprise attack, (laughs) which is funny. And I love this because I think that Colin Baker, despite, you know, all efforts to the contrary, really does a good job with acting this madman that... Mm -hmm. The doctor's kind of been turning into. Um, I don't know. Because, like, it's a weird... It's weird to see him act this way. Especially... It's almost like... It's almost like it's a criticism of who everyone had perceived the Sixth Doctor to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're just giving it voice. It's just... It's a weird, interesting choice that I actually really like. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing that's interesting, too, is that... Uh, no one could explain to him what he was supposed to be doing. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. I have a big rant plan for that. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. We'll get there. Um, so the Doctor turncoats. He goes to Syl. He joins Syl. He's like, I am done with them. It's no worth. It's not worthy being. Um, uh, uh, it's not worthy being with. It's not worthy of. He's not working with. With like working against Syl doesn't make sense because still has all the ca- still has all the cap like the cards in his favor. So the Doctor's just like I'm just going to join you, and it's kind of like a WTF moment. The Doctor of the Trial is really confused. He's like, "This is not me. This is not how it works out. I don't understand." Um, and so Syl brings the Doctor to Crozier, and Crozier's like, "I don't know. My machine got broken." And the Doctor's like, "Oh, I'll help you fix the machine," which is not good. Um, and uh, so while this is going on, Ikarnos meets up with Dorf, this wolf man who's really weird and can't seem to keep his mouth shut. Okay, um, can I just say or he's awful, first of all. Like Yeah, agree. I agree. thought Sill was bad. I would rather watch two Sill stories back to back than ever see this thing again. Um, yeah, it's bad. it's awful. And in the behind the scenes featurette, there's a guy that says that he is the greatest depiction of of a werewolf ever captured on film, and he doesn't understand why anyone, no one ever talks about it. Uh, dude, it's because everyone but you is embarrassed by this stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, 
It's pretty awful. And it's one of those things that um, that Martin's really interested in. Like, Martin, for some reason, is really interested in human 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 alien mutations and stuff. Like, you know, you see it with Perry randomly getting turned into a bird in Vengeance on Veros. and weird. Yeah. Well, the, Martin also did an Eighth Doctor Big Finish audio in which he turned Charlie into a queen termite, which is, like, stupid. So that's Philip Martin's thing. Um I don't know. I've just I have no interest. I like the relationship between Akarnos and Dorf, but I don't like Dorf at all. So, because like Akarnos has that sort of like emotional gravitas that's really cool, especially later when Dorf gets killed. Spoilers. I don't care. Um. So, so uh, Perry is separated uh, from Akarnos and Dorf. She becomes a servant person and enters the room of Kiv Crozier Sill and the Doctor, the Doctor of whom is literally just having tea with them. It's kind of funny. Um. And the doctor uh, reveals that Perry is not really a servant. She's his companion, and they need to find out what she knows about the Alphan resistance, the resistors from Thoros Alpha. Um, And uh, the doctor, uh, in this moment, it's it's interesting because at this moment, the doctor makes a huge turn in the trial. Like, you know how last week you were talking about how... Colin Baker, not Colin Baker, but the Doctor's not taking this trial seriously. Ergo, why do we have to take the trial seriously? Right. Yeah. Did you notice that he all of a sudden started taking everything a bit more seriously? Right, because he doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's suddenly like, there's this sort of looming ominous quality to what's going on, I find. Like, it just it just feels like whatever's going on or going to happen next is not the best thing. Um, so... Kiv, and this is where I get into my rant, Kiv, Crozier, and Syl all say, hey, why don't you go torture Perry to find out what she knows about the Resistance, or the Alphan Resistance, and the Doctor's like, okay. So then we get a scene of the Doctor torturing Perry, which is great. Again, just what kids want to see on television. Not really Um, sure what he's doing. Is it like Chinese water torture? Like, I don't... I don't don't get it. It's sci-fi torture. It just hurts. Um, (laughs) Oh, God, the water, it's hitting my legs, and it's really cold. This is awful. (laughs) I don't understand what... I don't don't get it, but... She's she's tied to rocks, and the pink water is hitting her. Yeah. The pink water that didn't bother her when she was trudging through it earlier. Yeah, it looks... It's a weird sort of torture moment that I don't think they pulled off well at all but here's my problem and this is something that colin baker mentions on the behind the scenes but you have a scene of this in which the doctor tortures his companion which you know i guess you could call edgy um but it's something that colin baker really struggled with as an actor like he couldn't come up with a way to make it work or to you know because it's 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 one thing to have the doctor you know in a post-regenerative state strangle his assistant as he does in the twin dilemma but it's an entirely another thing for him to be just relishing in torturing his companion um so and i pulled this is from an interview that he gave in 1990 or something um where he was interviewed about being the doctor and uh i'm just gonna read this quote verbatim because um i'm gonna start swearing in a minute uh, and all the kids need to uh, get out of the room. But here's the quote from Colin Baker, and I'm just going to share it because this is going to make me hate Eric Sayward a little bit more. Um, here's the quote. I was very confused by it, but I had a very different problem, especially in Mind Warp, because there was a point where I said to Eric Sayward, the script editor, when I'm tying Perry to this rock and threatening to torture her, am I doing it for some subtle reason of my own, because I think I'm being watched or whatever, or because I'm being affected by the mind probe, or is the Matrix lying? Those are the three alternatives as I saw it. And he said, I don't know, you'd better ask Philip Martin. So I got in touch with and I got in touch with him and gave him all those three alternatives and he said, I don't know. Eric wrote the trial stuff. All the matrix stuff was added after by Eric, so you better ask him. So I went to Jonathan Nathan Turner and he said, Oh, whichever you like. This is the level of involvement at the time. Eric was going through his own problems at the time, disagreeing with Nathan Turner on all sorts of things, and I felt that it was very sloppy. It was all cobbled together a bit. The stories were written independently, and the trial theme was put on top. I felt it was the Matrix lying, so I was really torturing Perry. But it was very difficult. You expect the writers to know what's happening, but that's not always the case. Okay. Couple things. One, if Jonathan Nathan Turner doesn't know what's going on, fine. Jonathan Nathan Turner, as a producer, does not need to know exactly what's going on because his are not story questions. I can forgive that. Likewise, I can almost forgive Philip Martin for not knowing why the doctor is torturing Perry, especially if it's okay, it was the trial, um, or whatever. 
then again, it's his story. He wrote the Doctor Torturing Perry. I feel like he should know this thing from a character standpoint. But But his job ultimately is to do whatever Eric Sayward tells him to. Right. Yeah. If Eric Sayward, as the script editor, is not getting involved enough to be able to answer a very simple motivational question from an actor, I call bullshit. I'm sorry, but that's horrible. Eric Sayward has one of the best jobs in the world, script editing Doctor Who. This is a job that Terrence Dix had for five years. It's a job that Robert Holmes had for three and a half years. It is an awesome job in which you get to say, be the creative controller of Doctor Who and get to know all the things and answer all the questions. And basically you're in creative control of Doctor Who from a story level. You're a writer. You need to know these things. And Eric Sayward at the time was known for, you know, he wasn't rewriting. He was rewriting scripts, but saying, oh, it was so difficult. Sounds a lot like Stephen Moffat. Um, It was so difficult to rewrite the scripts. They were very inexperienced writers. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, you know what, man? Eric Sayward doesn't know what he's doing. This is bullshit. This is not okay. It's not okay for a, a script editor to not know something this clearly fundamental to a story and something that is so ridiculously hard to deal with. You know what I mean? Yep. That is unacceptable. And that's why Colin Baker, like, it's amazing that Colin Baker pulled out as good of uh, performance in this as he did. Because he was literally given no help. And that is unacceptable. That is not okay. And that's, you know, that's me whining and wishing I probably should go read some fan fiction. But, um, <laughs> you know what? I don't care because... This level of writing on Doctor Who is unacceptable, and it's not acceptable in any realm. Like, imagine if, um, uh, I don't know, Grissom on CSI shot Sericidal in the in the arm, and someone was like, well, why why did he do that? And, someone, and the writer was just like, I don't know, he just did it. That's not acceptable. You wouldn't accept it on any other show. I don't have to accept it on Doctor Who. And um, Eric Sayward can go to hell, as far as I'm concerned, because what he did here is really bad. Uh That's really bad. I feel Um, like this is a good time to bring up the fact that the reason we're so hard on Doctor Who is because we love Doctor Who and we demand better. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. It's also like, it's like, you know, we shouldn't, it's like saying, it's like liking the prequels. No, you don't get shit for not liking the prequels. You get, you don't because people are like, you know, Star Wars can be better than this. And like, the truth is, look at like, you know, Eric Sayward is a, big fan of Robert Holmes. He's the guy who championed Robert Holmes and wanted to bring him back and stuff. And, you know, Robert Holmes' death was one of the things that caused Eric Sayward to, you know, just quit the job and just leave. And, like, you know, Robert Holmes was rewriting scripts from page one. Like, there are entire scripts. Like, Brain of Morbius, like, Terrence Dix wrote a script. Robert Holmes did a page one rewrite of it. And Terrence Dix it was so displeased that he wouldn't even let his name be on it. So, like, that's the level of quality I want from Doctor Who. And, and like, saying that just because it's something doesn't excuse it. That's like saying that Transformers is a dumb, stupid action movie with punching robots so it doesn't have to be smart. Like, that's so awful. That's yep. such an excuse. And, like, you know, if you don't agree with me, fine. But I'm just saying demand more. We're yeah. in such a good era of writing. Like, there's so many good levels of writing that there's no excuse for bad writing. There just isn't. Right. And Eric Sayward can leave as far as I'm concerned. Because his stories, man, his stories are riddled with plot holes. Just, they are not well thought out or plotted together. And there are no Robert Holmes stories. So and He's also the one that hated the Doctor, right? He hated Colin Baker. Yeah, he Baker. didn't like Colin Baker. Yeah. So he was writing Colin Baker out of scripts. Um, it's just, it's Which just is what you do when you are writing for Doctor Who. Yeah, you you focus on all mercenaries and no doctor. That's exactly what you do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just like this is... And, and then you're taking it for a paycheck instead of... Imagine the people who rather would have had the job. You know? Mm-hmm. Doctor Who is huge. It's such a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God. Give it to someone who cares. If you don't care enough, don't do it. Life is short. <laughs> Find something else to do. Fun fact, Eric Sayward hasn't really had a produced work since Doctor Who, so joke's on him. <laughs> there you so go. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. So uh so after the doctor accuses her of being a spy, um and tortures her, acts like he's being her friend for like half a second and then <laughs> turns coat real bad real fast. Um <laughs> which is just it's just such a random scene. Uh yeah. 
the doctor tell uh, tells her that um, uh, Crozer is planning to put Kiv's brain into to his body unless he can help them, which is get extract information from her. And he's just like, look, I'm more important than you. I only care about me. You're just, you don't mean anything. <laughs> These are the things that he's saying for, for, to, to, to Perry. Um, you don't mean anything. You're worthless. I don't care if you die. All I care about is me, 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 me. That's what's happening in this scene. Um, yeah. And people and 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 the BBC wondered why people didn't like Colin Baker as a doctor, um, yeah. because he was doing stuff like this with no motivation as uh, uh, like as far as to any and to the audience's eyes. Yeah, yeah, he was just saying awful things like this. That's why people didn't like him because he had yeah. really crappy scripts. Yep. Um, thanks, Eric Sayward. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Crozer stops the interrogation because he says that they have more effective methods of extracting the truth from Perry. And um, as they they re-enter the complex together, uh, the king attacks the guard and then threatens to kill the doctor. This is a bad cliffhanger for reasons we've specified before. Yeah. Yeah. We we know he survived, so this is silly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, not good. Yeah. So we go into part seven. Slash part three. And uh, and Perry's just like, hi and smashes the gun. <laughs> and, and saves the doctor's life. Yeah, and then the doctor flees because all he cares about is himself at, at this mm-hmm. point, apparently. Something um, that the Valiard points out, which, like, I don't know. I like I love, the Valiard. Uh, okay, can I just say, that's the stupidest reasoning. Look, look how he is. Yeah, you also just saw his mind get warped. That's not going into your investigation at all. That's not that's not exhibit B or something. Like I don't know. Well, that's the problem with the Valiard is like his evidence should be so strong that it stands on its own. He shouldn't have to be constantly pointing it out and defending it. And like at the end of the story, he doesn't really need to defend any of his story. Like the events speak for themselves, you know? It's just it's such a stupid writing choice on his part. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, it's basically like, hey, we haven't seen the trial trial in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So but yes. So yeah. So they're they're back in the laboratory and they find a uh, deceased corpse of um, a similar species to Kibbs, and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. we're gonna put it in this. Um, and it's less slimy. It's brown. It's like tan colored. It's a sand color. It's nice. Yeah. It's like khaki. It's khaki. (laughs) Um, It's a nice, it's a nice khaki corpse, Uh, and it's got a stinger, (laughs) which Uh, I like. I like that too. Yeah, which they talk about and never comes up again, Um, (laughs) which I think is funny. They're like, "This has a stinger." I was like, "Oh, shotgun over the mantle. That's coming back." It doesn't. Um, (laughs) What a wasted opportunity! Because this is a bad script uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. So, uh, again, the idea is good. The idea is interesting. It's just not, not a crazy good execution of all of its elements. Um, let's spend 30 seconds talking about how this thing has a stinger and then not ever talk about it again. (laughs) This, isn't it cool? It's, it's cars being carried by balloons. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not to be, I'm still a little bitter. Don't feed the pterodactyls. Uh, so, so meanwhile, uh, the King, Perry and Dorf team up, um, with members of the Alphan resistance and, uh, yeah, they, they like, they agreed to let the King like lead them into an attack on the mentors. Um, they go to like this resistance arms dump, but they're ambushed by, uh, mentor guards and they're shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so like, but yeah, it's reveals that they're like, they're just, they're just stunned that like, that's a section. That's the section where they, we cut back to the trial. Right. And, and yeah. And, and Colin Baker, cause he doesn't remember the doctor's just like, Oh my God, they're all dead. And they're just like, see what you do. See what they do. See what you do. They're really dead. No, they're not really dead. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what happens. 
Yeah, it's 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 a weird choice. My evidence is: look how guilty he looks. Are they really dead? No, they're not really dead. But look how guilty he is. They could have been. They could have. They been, could that's have the been. Point. I am. A, I, I'm. I'm going to pull the mom card and say something could have happened just then. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that cliffhanger, especially because it's bad. It's good foreshadowing for later. But man, they undercut it by a really terrible sort of. Yeah. Oh, by the way, no, they're just stunned. No, and I just I love too that like like they just blatantly lie to the doctor at that point. Um, you know, as just far to as listen to as reaction. far as with the, well, not only not only do they lie about her her not being dead at that point, but then he's like, she's really not dead, and he she's like, no, no, she's not dead. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> she's not dead because what? She doesn't want to spoil the rest of the court hearing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it is, weird choice. Yeah, well, we don't we don't, was, we don't want your since you don't know what's going to happen next. We don't want to spoil the ending. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there was a big debate in Time Lord Society a couple years back where they were like, "Do we like spoilers? Do we not like spoilers?" It was a big decision moment, and I think they ended up saying, "No, spoilers are bad." He's like, so, he's, the doctor's just like. Is she dead? Is she? And the Inquisitor like looks over at one of the other random Tie Lords, and they just like have they poke a little pin they're wearing that says "Spoiler Alert." <laughs> and then the Matrix censors the response. It's a yeah, it's a cool moment. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but um, yeah, no, they've just been stunned and taken, and they get taken to their cells. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so part four. I'm just gonna blast through this because. Um, a lot of stuff happens at once, and then we'll all just discuss it. Uh, one of the things we get in the cell is a really cool Perry-Yakarnos moment where Perry and Yakarnos discuss love, which I thought was kind of gorgeous. Um, uh, so that was really cool. Uh, Kiv wakes up from his body swap, so now Kiv is out of his green body and into the sand body, but the sand body is only a... Um, khaki. A te- yeah, the khaki one, sorry. The, the khaki body is only a temporary fix, because um, the fisherman quality of that specific person means that Kiv loves the sea and fish a little bit too much, um, <laughs> which I find funny. Because I don't know how, like, I guess it just means that the fish and sea is bred into his genetics, not his brain. It's kind of weird. Um, uh, which I'm confused about, because, like, <laughs> yeah, like, are, what did they do exactly? Did they, like, sci-fi switch, switch brains, or did they, like, medically switch brains like literally it was a medical it was a medical thing because the thing that comes up later is a is a is a data transfer oh so okay it was like a they cut open kiv's brain they replaced it into this khaki body. oh right which is why perry's head shaved later okay gotcha. yes yeah yes right um so uh so crozier reveals that this is only a temporary solution that kiv needs a real brain transfer that isn't dependent on genetics that Kiv needs to go into a new body, and um, the, and he reveals to the doctor that neither the doctor or any Alphans are compatible with Kiv's brain, and asks if Perry can be used as an option. The doctor says, no, I'll go find someone else, and um, Crozier kind of doesn't listen to him, but the doctor suddenly is now sober, which is a really poor choice, I think, because all of a sudden the doctor's sober because he cares about Perry, despite the fact that one episode ago he was torturing her. It's a weird choice. They, they could have done that a little bit cleaner. Um, right. There's no reason based. for him to switch back. Yeah. Which is why it makes people think that the doctor, like Colin Baker as the doctor, is just a, kind of a dick. Yeah, which is a bummer because, you know, if you listen to his audio plays, you know differently. He's amazing. Um, he so is. We'll talk about that off mic. Um, so, so uh, let's see. So uh, so they get this moment where the doctor races out. He goes to visit Yakarnos. He breaks Yakarnos free and says, we're going to go rescue Perry. And what I love about this that makes it so strong, and this is probably why you didn't like this, um, but all of a sudden, without you realizing it, Perry has been removed from the cell, and she's sitting in front of Crozier, and Crozier's measuring her brain. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, Perry's strapped on the table, and then you see the Doctor and Yakarnos going off, and they're freeing the slaves, and then all of a sudden, Crozier said, sh- says, shave her head, 
And then all of a sudden there's fighting in the hallways as the slaves are freed and they're coming. But then all of a sudden you see Perry's head is shaved and Crozier's just waiting for Kiv and Sill to finish their meeting so that he can put Kiv's brain in Perry. And the Carnos and the Doctor are racing to save Perry. And then Kiv's placed on the table. And then the Doctor's separated from Yukarnos. And then there's a beam of light. The Doctor is beckoned into the TARDIS. The TARDIS disappears, reappears at the space station. We're back at episode one. And what I love about this is... Crozier as a bad guy is something that I'm really interested in because in every Doctor Who story, the, the villain always, you know, has the James Bond thing of, I'm going to lock you in that room and you know, no one's going to see, like, no one's going to be watching, but we'll just assume that the, the lasers got you or something. Crozier, man, Crozier's a man of action. Like, Crozier all of a sudden is doing all the things that you don't expect a villain to do. And... I'm legitimately terrified of him. I just think he's a driven guy who just does these things and does them so quickly and efficiently that it's it's hard to watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just it's crazy. And then all of a sudden the doctor asks back in the trial the doctor's like, "Why did you take me away? I didn't I was about to save Perry." And the inquisitor says, "Crozier's experiment ends natural evolution because Crozier can now move any brain into any body. Um, suddenly evolution is no longer a factor and the Time Lords cannot let such a, an occurrence happen. And then we get the what happens in the rest of the story in which Perry's gone, replaced by Kiv, Perry's head is shaved and now she's Kiv. And the Time Lords encase Thoris Beta in a bubble. They use Ikarnos as, a, as an assassin Perry awakens and she talks like Kiv and it's really gross and Ikarnos comes to the rescue but sees that Perry has been destroyed and you know you kind of realize that Ikarnos and Perry kind of fell in love there towards the end but it's too late Perry is dead and he just destroys the room I'm YouTubing all this if you want to see how fast it happens by the way it's going to be up on the comments of this episode on Geek Show um and then you come back and you realize that the doctor's just completely devastated and it's this really holy crap moment and kind of like a fist bump and the or not fist bump but the valyard says oh by the way doctor this is what you did you brought this about you didn't stop perry's death which we're going to talk about in a minute and the doctor kind of says i'm going to get to the bottom of this and it's kind of an f yeah moment where the doctor's kind of been defeated um and it just kind of completely and i and i mean let's talk about this i texted you as soon as i finished and i said has there been a darker more bleaker ending to an episode of doctor who ever and and i i don't know and i said i said not that i can think of but i still i still say bs i call bs sure um uh yes i see the bs and like you know it's but it's it's one of those things where it is unbelievable because it just happens so fast and you kind of don't expect it um it's it's a ballsy moment i think at it the is. very least. But it's also it's also like you were like you were like uh at, last week you were saying like because I was saying like why is the doctor taking this trial seriously? And you're like, "Oh, next week. Next week, like the end of next week. It's 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 a big deal and the Valyard finally has a case. He doesn't have a case. They took him out. The Time Lords took him out. So he could have saved Perry, but he didn't because they took him out. And the Valyard is saying, we have a case because you could have saved her and you didn't. No, he couldn't have. You took him out. I don't know, That's not a case. That's not a case. Sure, I see that. But at the same time, because of the Doctor's recklessness in Episode 1, like, the Doctor kind of was acting like a pompous ass and strutting around and not really doing anything the way he should have. Like, he walked into the laboratory... And got his brain scrambled. And if the doctor hadn't gotten his brain scrambled like that, he probably could have stopped all this from happening. The doctor was very reckless early on, and he ended up paying for that. I really believe that that's part of the case that the Valiard's making. Part of it is not just that the doctor interferes, but that the doctor is reckless. And I think that... But ultimately, he proved a point by pulling him out early and killing an innocent person in the process. Just to prove a point, which is not... The Valyard is the person who should be on trial here, not the Doctor. <laughs> right. But there's also the question of, if the Doctor had not been pulled out, would he have been able to save Perry? By the time that the Doctor's running down that hallway, Kiv's already getting the brain transplant. It's kind of over already. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I still say the ending's BS. Also, I don't think Perry's dead. Okay. But that's just me. 
Okay. I think that's no. In I my in it. my version of events, she's dead. We'll find out who's right in a couple weeks. <laughs> but you know who's right. I do know who's right. Okay. I do. But I also know what I don't accept. Um, <laughs> we'll talk. It's one of the big discussion points we're going to have to talk about at the end of this. Um, okay. Because uh, it's, I don't know. One of the things that I think is really interesting is like, I'm pairing... fine with them. I'm fine with them axing a companion. Like, yeah. that's that's cool. Like, because it's not done often enough. I don't think. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, and that's that's fine. But I don't. I just I just don't buy it here. I just don't. Sure. That's fine. There's something that's weird fine. about everything being in slow motion at the end. Well, that's because of the time bubble. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, that's a time bubble. Okay, well, that was weird. <laughs> um, also, the Time Lords, like, getting involved and, like, I don't know. Everything just – it smells fishy to me. I don't think – Sure. I don't think no. – I think Perry's fine. That, that, that's great. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying – I want it not to be right. Because one of the things, like, I don't know, I think that the Doctor does need to get taken down a few pegs, and this is a great moment for them to do it. Especially in the trial context. Because after this, he kind of mellows out a bit. Especially in um, in the next week, we'll see that he's kind of slightly more defensive than he is more argumentative in the first part. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. just... It's a good thing to happen, especially because, like, you know, the Doctor died to save Perry. Like, in Caves Ranger Zani, he died to save her. And to have her go out in a moment of his, you know, kind of his arrogance is a ballsy sort of move. And they, you're right, they don't kill off enough of companions. But, like, if you're going to have a companion death, there's nothing quite so tragic or heartbreaking as Perry. Because watching her with that shaved head and with Kiv inside of her brain and Perry just to be gone is perverse. It is just one of the most horrifying images I've ever seen in Doctor Who. And, you know, they talked about it on the behind-the-scenes featurette where someone says, you know, the death of Perry is shocking because one second Perry lays down, you cut back, and it's not Perry anymore. Like, it's messed up to see that them do something like this. And, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, you know, that's that's all true. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. I just... I don't like... There's something about the way it's done that I just I don't I don't buy. I don't know what it is. I would have been fine that. if it had been done better and that's actually how she went out, then you know, whatever, that's fine. I'm I'm mm-hmm. cool with that, but there's just I don't know, I don't buy it. So, I just don't buy so it. maybe if it had been a better writer, you would have Yeah, exactly. More. Yeah. <laughs> See, I get that. But it's also like the moment Doctor Who is in such a state of stasis always that it kind of blows me away whenever they do something like the death of Adric or the death of Perry that, you know, you give that writer a huge handicap in terms of, oh, they're allowed to do something. Suddenly what they do matters and that means something. But you're right. If they had done it with a better writer, I think it would have been even stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, It also would have been better if Jonathan Nathan Turner hadn't been involved. But uh, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Okay. Um, also in this, uh, which I didn't know until looking at the credits just now, uh, Deep Roy was in this, and apparently he was in Talents of Wang Chiang, too, which is interesting. Was he? Yeah, was D- he? Deep Roy being, uh, uh, yeah, he was Mr. Singh, I guess. Oh, um, snap! Mr. Th- Singh's awesome! Yeah, Deep Roy is, uh, 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 Tim Burton's, uh, uh, Tim Burton's, uh, Oompa Loompa. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Dude, Mr. Sin is crazy. That's all okay. I'm saying. That's awesome. That's yeah, all I'm, I'm excited. I like Deep Roy. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so he's in lots of things and but mostly oh, I yeah, know no, him I... as as Tim Burton's Oompa Loompa. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, now I want to go watch Ch- Talons again. <laughs> so bad. Although I did like his role in this. I really like Deep Roy's role in this. He was the um he was the one who told everyone to shut up in episode 4. Mm-hmm. The worm in episode four. I yeah. But now I want to go watch him as um, Mr. Sin in Talons, because <laughs> Mr. Sin, there is nothing scarier than Mr. Sin. Ooh, that's not even a lie. Mr. Sin nice. is one of the scariest things that's ever happened in Doctor Who. I'm probably gonna watch that soon. <laughs> you should. It's excellent. I'm probably gonna watch that and and robots very soon. I'll get. I'll yeah. I'll get it to you. I'll get oh, it to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do that. I'll watch yeah. it soon. Really soon. Okay. <laughs> and then do a do a review on the show. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get to it eventually. 
<laughs> do a separate review and then re-review it later. Um, that's fine. Uh, so before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get at your local comic book shop, you can get from DCBService.com. You place your orders three months in advance using the Diamond Catalog. And you can get monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. And if you pre-order your collected editions, like trade paperbacks, hardcover, omnibuy, stuff like that, absolute editions, you can get 50% off those, half off. Um, and in some cases, I mean, that's that's a lot of money. You know, those huh. those, omnib- oh, yeah. those omnibuy and, and absolute editions are like 100 bucks, uh, 100 bucks each. Um Shelf price. So getting those for fifty, that's crazy cheap. Uh, <laughs> oh, believe me, I know. Yeah, ship as often <laughs> as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay five ninety five flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBS. All right. Well, yes. that's uh, that's Mind Warp. Next week is uh, what is this? It's called Terror of the Vervoids. Terror of the Vervoids. That sounds yes. odd. It's a weird story. I like it. It's probably the best Mel that's ever happened. Not going to lie. <laughs> wow. That not, being said, uh, that being said, <laughs> I, not I've, saying much. I've seen Sylvester McCoy's first story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although Mel does have a really good scene in that. I just think Mel is poorly written in the show. Because her on Big Finish, man, she does a couple of Big Finish stories, especially one with Colin Baker, and she is actually really good. Bonnie Langford, I actually am a big fan of, but she's written poorly on this. But yeah, Terror of the Vervoids, written by Pip and Jane Baker, so the first time we get to talk about old Pip and Jane. um, Oh boy, that'll be fun. Don't you Um, hate them? I do hate them. I think they're horrible. Um, Okay, good. (laughs) But, I mean, I think they write a really interesting sort of uh, four-part story. It's like a murder mystery on a spaceship. No, it does its base job. I don't think it's super strong, but like, meh. they make some really weird choices in their stories and they have really terrible dialogue. So whatever. That's we'll talk fun. about them more in episode 14 as well, because they're the writers of episode 14. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Terror of the Vervoids next week. All right. Continuing trial. Yeah. Halfway over. Halfway over. Yep. 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 Uh, also, you guys should know that. Um, the last part of Tri- Trial of Time Lord, we mentioned it last week, but it doesn't hurt to mention it again this week. It's two parts, so there won't be a whole lot to discuss. Um, so we're going to be reading emails. If you guys want to send in emails and ask us questions and things like that, we're going to be doing that. So send in emails to tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc, as in the doctor's companion. Um, yeah. So yeah, send, there'll send be plenty emails. to discuss, but it'll be a shorter episode, right. I think, just because it's two episodes and stuff. Right, right, right. So send those in; that'll be good. And then on the other half, only... the 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 other the other half of uh, on the back end of once we finish Trial of the Time Lord, we have uh, uh, we have a uh, cowboy William Hartnell. Yes. Oh yeah, gunfighters. Good times. The gun the gunfighters is coming up. So excited. That. That I'm looking forward to, yes. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Gunfighters, I don't remember what's coming after that, but before the end of the year, we have some really cool stuff coming up. Like, mm-hmm. really, really cool that I'm really excited to talk Sweet about. Sweet deal. Including another Davison. Yes! So, <laughs> Kinda. Kinda's coming up before the end of the year. Sweet. So, yeah, I that's going to be rad. I heart Davison. Oh, man. How could you not, really? How can people do don't well people like call Tom Baker so you know well more <laughs> Tom Baker is the one and only true those people are silly <laughs> and they don't get what's so fun about Doctor Who if they only yeah. like Tom Baker that they're missing the point same people yeah, who missing... only like P- da- uh David Tennant same 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 people same people yeah David yeah. Tennant is the new Tom Baker I don't know if you've picked up on that yet um <laughs> oh no joke he is yeah, no yeah. joke. He is. Yeah. Although he's... the difference between David Tennant and Tom Baker is that David Tennant, Tennant... went out on top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, can you imagine if Tom Baker had left on top? Oh man, can I you imagine the Tom Baker fiends at that point? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, 
Which would mean yeah. that uh, Peter Davison, if he ever was the Doctor, he would be the sixth Doctor instead of the fifth. I don't know. I like Davison as number five for some reason. It just works. Yeah. You know? All the numbers, for some reason, seem to just work out for me. Yeah. Colin Baker is six. Davison is five. It's just, it's just br- grilled into my head that these are the numbers and the way that it was supposed to work out. Yeah. I don't know. It's because it's history. I think it's because... Yeah, and it, it all happened before I was born, so... Yeah, exactly. So, so whatever. I mean, I, there's nothing I could do about it. There's nothing I could do about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. All right, well, that's that. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet at twitter.com slash gungadin, where this week I will be live blogging my move to Los Angeles. That's not true. That is not true. Um, <laughs> the live tweeting. Not the not the moving. That move is definitely happening. Um, but, uh... Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me on twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where I live-tweet stuff. This week, I'm for sure live-tweeting Godfather Part 3. I just don't know when. Uh, it's going to happen. I just don't know when. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Also, follow us there for Sunday Trek, which is super fun, um, where we discuss classic Star Trek episode by episode, super, super blast. Um, you can also follow my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I review classic Doctor Who. This past week I did The Underwater Menace, which was a nightmare. Oh my god. We're going to have a lot of fun discussing that one. Um, oh, and um, this week I'm doing Planet of the Daleks, which is a Pertwee Dalek story. And before you get too excited, know that it's written by Terry Nation. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Why, it's literally like why, why would you do the underwater menace to yourself? Like why would you schedule yourself to do it on the blog like weeks before we have to do it on the podcast? I don't know. We're doing it in January, I think, and I'm just like, "Eh, well, I'm getting it over with." Cuz the underwater menace is one of those stories that I guess I after think... January you never have to do it again. I suppose. We'll see how that ends up, but you know, knowing me, I'll end up watching it again at some point. Just hopefully not for a very very long time. Um <laughs> But yeah, Planet of the Daleks this week. See if Terry Nation can avoid recycling the plot from the Daleks. Answer is no. Scott. Uh, you can find me at uh, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli, where I tweet more than occasionally. Uh, and then twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I only seem to tweet Sunday Trek, honestly. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm not even going to try and hide that anymore. That's pretty much all I do. I should probably live tweet things while I watch them more often, but I don't. Yeah, why Why wouldn't you? I don't know why I'm not doing that. I should do that. I should do I that. I think I'm going to start doing it for just anything that I'm watching that I'm just like, I'm bored. I'm going to tweet while watching this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to do from now on. You're right. We should do that. I don't know why yeah. I don't. That's why I made it. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, that, Twitter, those things... Um, also, uh, geekshowentertainment.com, uh, which is the website where we do this podcast and the other podcasts that we do, like Movie Night at Geek Show, which is our movie review podcast. And this month is being October. We're doing horror films. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did The Thing. This past week, we did Near Dark. This week, we're doing Night of the Creeps. Next week, we're doing Poltergeist. Fun, fun, fun. If you like horror films, maybe you should listen to those. Actually, not maybe. You should. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, also, there is an audio blog. What? My girlfriend was talking about how she wa- she listened to our discussion of the thing, and I mentioned the part where my dog jumped on me and started licking my face, and you guys made a joke about how it was turning me into the thing, and it legitimately terrified her. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Oh, man. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, we did an audio blog this week. If you guys watch Breaking Bad, Matt and I talked about Breaking Bad season four. Uh, so you should, guys should listen to that. If you like Breaking Bad, it's on the website, geekshowentertainment.com on the right hand side, you'll see it review Breaking Bad season four. That's it. Click play. Listen. Woo. Yeah. Uh, I just walked you through that. So you have no excuse not to go listen to it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Also, it, I guess it, it's worth mentioning, uh, since we have a colorist now, uh, geekbynight.net is my website for my webcomic that I'm writing. Um, 
and I'm not drawing it. That's that's that that's from uh, Scott Tofty, my artist. And then we have a new uh, we have a new colorist named Nathaniel Fuller, and uh, he's going to be coloring it for us. And that's going to be probably it's probably going to hit in January, I would imagine, because we we're we're going to try and get an issue finished before we start releasing Rad. them. So, Rad. Yeah. So I've seen those pages. They are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm really psyched. So uh, anyway, geekbynight.net is going to be my – it's my webcomic. It's basically about uh, what if uh, people who read comic books and love comic books and uh, have always dreamed about getting superpowers, what would they do if they actually had them? That's basically the elevator pitch of that show. Or of that of that uh, web comic, so go read that when it gets launched. And of course, I'll I'm gonna keep bugging you every week, probably. So and a big announcement coming at the end of the month. Yes, that too. Right, really giant, big, <laughs> mega announcement that no one's gonna end up caring about. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, bye. <laughs> bye, guys.